The great outdoors seem to hold the spookiest of stories. Welcome back to the swamp, my friends, and welcome if you're new. Today we're going to be sharing some creepy and allegedly true horror stories from the outdoors. As always, if you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, be sure to submit your story at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I would love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. Joining me on today's episode is my friend, Miss Fearsome. If you enjoy her voice, be sure to check out their channel. You can find a link to do so in the description down below. Now, without further ado, let us jump right into these allegedly true and downright creepy outdoor horror stories that'll keep you up tonight. Today's episode is sponsored by HelloFresh. It's time to spring into something delicious with HelloFresh. Every week you get fresh, pre-portioned ingredients and recipes delivered right to your door. Get 16 free meals plus 3 free gifts with code SWAMPED16 at HelloFresh.com SWAMPED16. I have lived most of my life in Montana. I grew up near the Crow Reservation and knew quite a bit about their history and lore. During the summer of 2020, I worked at a local state park that had been a part of the Crow's traditional land. It is a site that contains a lot of their history, from things like pictographs to actual burial sites. My manager would tell me about the area, and I loved hearing the stories that fueled the legends around it. But one day, I learned just how correct the codes are. It was a hot July day, and I had snuck out of the visitor center to take a break from people. I walked into a gully and climbed up onto a rock that let you see the center and remain out of sight. It was also the only place where I had cell service. I enjoyed sitting in the shade, listening to the birds, but another sound caught my attention. It was the sound of rustling bushes further up the gully. I tried not to panic, but my manager told me a mountain lion would sometimes wander around here. There was no exit in that direction due to the earthquake that blocked the path only allowing a small stream through the large boulders. No matter what it was, it had to come my way. The rustling got closer until it was just above me. I peeked over the rock to see absolutely nothing. I sat still, watching the spot, but my fight-or-flight motion kicked in, and I ran down the narrow path back to the visitor center. I thought that was it for my worry, but things got weirder over the next couple of days. A few days later, I walked into the center to see my two co-workers staring at a display case that showed Native American tools. I asked what was wrong, and one of them pointed at the glass that covered the artifacts. Tiny handprints covered the case traveling in every direction, as if something had climbed it. I didn't think much of this, but I didn't feel it was strange since our park barely got any visitors due to the pandemic at the time. We got a few travelers, but rarely did they come into the center. We cleaned off the case without another thought and got back to work. The next day I came in and once again my co-workers were gawking at the case. The tiny handprints were back. I started to get nervous and we cleaned all the glass as quickly as possible. Later that day, as I was alone in the visitor center at the front desk reading a book, I started to hear something like a radio play in the back room. I listened for a bit, trying to make out what was playing but it was too muffled to pick anything out. When I stood up to investigate, it went quiet. This happened a few times over the next few days. One day, the sounds were getting so annoying, 
and I decided to sit outside next to my manager. We talked for a bit, and somehow we talked about crow lore. One that is popular in crow culture is the little people, a group of small humanoid creatures that like to cause mischief. If you see one, that means you are going to experience misfortune. They will do anything to get you to leave, such as throwing rocks or setting up traps. I made a joke about spending the night at the center and camping near the cave that has pictographs. My manager stopped me, quickly, and told me that that would only put me in danger. He said many people had tried it, and no one stayed the whole night. Something always chased them away. So I gave up on staying at the park alone. After that, though, things just kept getting worse. I stopped going to my rock due to a weird noise coming from the gully. The radio noise was playing more often. Then something happened that led my manager calling a medicine man to the center. I was sitting inside. My manager was on the phone talking to a water testing facility since the water had suddenly become undrinkable. He angrily hung up on the phone and said he was going out to smoke. I watched him leave and then returned to my book. After a while, I started to hear talking from the back room. I listened and it kind of sounded like it was my manager talking. It sounded like he was talking about the water testing people. I couldn't make out exactly what he said, but he was angry. I kept listening as I stood and walked out to the front of the window to see if anything was interesting outside. A few cars were in the parking lot, but everyone avoided the visitor center like usual. I noticed someone walking up the sidewalk to the center. It was my manager. A sudden chill ran down my spine and I began to shiver. The talking in the other room was still happening. When my manager got inside, I explained quickly what was going on, and he could hear it too. But it stopped as we approached the door to the room. We rushed inside and of course there was nothing and no one there. The back door was even locked. My manager immediately got on the phone and hired a crow medicine man to come the next day. They performed a cleansing ceremony that took a few hours. After that, everything seemingly stopped. No more radio noises or handprints on the glass. I also for some reason felt a weight lifted off of me. Some people thought it was little people, while others said it was evil spirits that attached themselves to the site. I won't know the truth as I don't work there anymore, but whatever it was has led me to take a lot of caution when I'm near sacred sites such as this, and to be very wary when working out in the woods as well. This happened last summer, and it still sends shivers up my spine when I think back to it. I was traveling for business. I had to take something to one of our laboratories, and it had to be there that night to be used in the morning. So I ran it along the express highway, passing Mount Fuji, and about to enter a toll road. I didn't want to do this, as I didn't want to pay. Plus I thought I might be able to shave a few minutes off the estimated time of arrival if I took a detour. But boy was I wrong. So I turned down a road close to Aokikahara, which is where that famous forest is. You've heard of it, right? I had to slow down a little as there was a fog bank on my approach, and it was plain sailing for a while. That is until my lights abruptly died. I pulled onto the hard shoulder and hit my hazards, and was of course frustrated. I figured a fuse must have blown or something, so I popped the hood and started messing around, trying to desperately fix it. But when I realised I was probably causing more harm than good, 
I gave up and slammed the hood shut. I considered driving without the lights, but even if it hadn't have been a foggy night, it was an idiotic idea. So I slumped in the driver's seat at a loss, not knowing what to do next, when suddenly I was struck with tinnitus, you know, that terrible ringing in your ears. It was awful and made me feel sick, and I'd never had it that badly before. Just then I looked up and noticed something in my rearview mirror. It was a shadowy figure standing behind my car, and the moment I laid eyes on it I heard something. It was the roar of some kind of animal. This was all going on at around half two in the morning, so there's no good reason anyone would be out here on the mountain roads. What I saw in the mirror looked humanoid, and a thick dense forest surrounded me for as far as the eye could see. There wasn't a single car on the road when I heard the sound of footsteps running around me outside. They were audible, even though my engine was still on, and I could feel something coming for me. I felt surrounded and trapped. Those awful footsteps grew louder and louder, and I just had to get out of there. I was thinking about opening the door and running for it, but could imagine not getting far and becoming a missing person. They'd find my car out here, and I'd become one of those cold case mysteries. But just then, as I was thinking about seeing my parents being interviewed on TV, I heard something strike the rear window. It wasn't a rock or anything like it, and it sounded sticky, like something fleshy had landed and stuck there. I did not want to see what it was, so I dragged my rearview mirror out of position and hit the gas. I was driving straight into the fog with no light, and just as I was about to enter a tunnel, the light suddenly came back on. Relief washed over me as I reached the next toll booth early, and I swear to God that was the only time in my life that I was happy to see one of those things. The lights of the toll booth were so comforting after what I had just experienced. I finally felt safe and after a little while I pulled into a convenience store to get a coffee and check over my car. It was covered with morning dew, as I'd been driving through the fog, and the windows were wet. However, on seeing the rear of my vehicle, I stopped dead in my tracks. There was what seemed to be handprints of various sizes, all over my back window. Since that incident, I have never tried to avoid toll roads to find shortcuts, and I have no explanation for the handprints or what made that horrible roaring sound. I don't like to think about the number of people who go missing around here. To start this off, I'm a 36-year-old man from a small town outside of Charleston, West Virginia. And a little backstory about myself. Since I was young, I could see things most could not, from ghosts of deceased grandparents to other unexplained things, so I have been around ghosts and stuff my entire life, and none of these ever really scared me. At least, none until this 2021 hunting season, deer hunting to be exact. Before I start, I would also like to mention I am a huge fan of your YouTube channel. I listen to it sometimes all night at work and it helps me get through my long nights. Anyways, on to the story. Since I was a young boy, I have been an avid hunter and has always enjoyed the peace and quiet and tranquility of being in the mountains with nature. 
So a couple of years ago, a few friends and I secured a property lease of nearly 1,200 acres. I have been hunting this area for years, and I have never seen anything scary on the property, other than maybe a black bear or a coyote from time to time. After setting out multiple cameras for the 2021 hunting season, I decided to hunt a new location due to the deer frequenting another area more than I had hunted in the past. Before the season, I moved my hunting equipment into this new location and drove in a couple of more cameras to better understand where the deer would most likely be coming from once the hunting season started. After a month of watching hundreds of pictures, hunting season was finally here. I hunted this area for most of the hunting season with some success as I bagged a white teal buck as did my daughter later in the season. Now, fast forward from October to middle November. As I was still running my trail cameras in this location, getting ready for the West Virginia rifle season, I started noticing that my pictures all began to blur. So I would clean the camera lens, thinking something was blocking it. But it did not help that the pictures would only keep getting more distorted to the point that you could barely make anything out but black and gray. I figured this camera was just going bad, hence I purchased a new camera and placed it in the same spot, only to discover that this new camera was taking the same pictures in black and gray with nothing obstructing the camera's view. A couple of days went by and although weird, I decided to pull the camera for the year as rifle season was starting in a couple of days anyway. Also, I would like to add that the pictures are great on both cameras once I move the camera to a different location, which will make sense shortly. Now, it is finally rifle season, and I'm on the first morning. I'm up two to three hours before daylight for the day's hunt. Once I made it to my hunting stand and was quiet as possible, I settled up for what would be an all-day hunt. About 30 minutes before daylight, I begin to hear what I can only describe as whispering noises coming from about 50 yards away. As I sit and wait for the sun, the whispers come and go, and I think to myself, this must be other hunters that have slipped into our lease without permission, and that once it got daylight, I was going to have to make them leave. Once daylight comes, I start looking for the trespassers and to my surprise, there is no one near me. Thinking that I must have just been hearing things, I brush it off and continue to hunt. At around 10am, I listen to this sound once more. Looking around, I notice something moving to my right and across a small stream. I focus my eyes and quickly see it's a woman, dressed in what I can only describe as 1800-style clothing. Please note it is freezing this morning, and this woman is at least a mile deep in the wilderness, dressed only in what appeared to be some old white dress or apron. I watched this woman for a few moments, and she then turned and seemed to walk inside a rather large and hollow oak tree. I thought to myself, what in the world did I just see? Trying to make any sense of this, I began to hear the whispering again, coming from where the lady or whatever this was had just gone. I don't make a move. I continue to stare at this tree after what seemed like forever. I notice movement once more from the tree. I keep watching as I see this woman-looking thing re-emerge, followed by what looked to be a small child, maybe 8 to 10 years old. Shocked once more, I watch the pair as they walk around the tree in a single file. Once at the backside of the tree, the kid bends down and looks to pick something off the ground. Then, suddenly, the pair both in non-human speed dash back around and inside the tree. At this point, 
I began to think to myself how weird this was and so out of place, but I never heard the leaves crunch or any noises that they were even outside of the tree. Weird, I thought. After sitting for a couple of minutes more, I decided to confront the two and see if there was anything I could do to help them or figure out what they were doing here in the first place. With rifle in hand, I, I began to climb. I slowly make my way down the tree where the pair had been. As I cross the stream separating us, I look up at the tree, and to my surprise, the tree was no longer there. It is like it had just disappeared in the blink of an eye. I spent almost an hour looking and walking around, trying to find out where this tree could have been, but I never found any trace. Puzzled over this, I began thinking about the cameras I had remembered, the ones going blurry and having really bad points even though they were just fine in other locations. I decided that I need to know what happened to me, so I set up a few cameras in that area. Two days later, I had my cousins come with me to retrieve all of the equipment from this area, and I will never be pursuing in this area again. Please let me know in the comments if anyone knows what I may have witnessed, and if you choose to share this story, thank you. It would mean a lot to me. I really, really would appreciate somebody giving me any sort of idea in the comments what this could be. I go hunting in southern Illinois on property that my family owns. The place is my second home, and I spent countless hours exploring every inch of it, caught all the fish in its area, hunted every legal game, and spotted the rest. So when I say that I have never had an experience like this, remember that this was my domain that I felt comfortable in any weather, at any time, with any equipment or lack thereof. Two deer seasons ago, I had pulled into the farm at around 4.40 in the morning, November, so at least two hours till sunlight. I pull my stuff out of my truck and walk into the woods. I have my shotgun and revolver and knife on my belt, an elbow light clipped to the front of me, a coffee thermos, a backpack with a book, and a couple of other things to clean my deer should I get lucky. So I walk off the driveway and into the woods. The tree stand I'm going to is less than a mile away but through some dense second growth forest and down a rather steep hill, across some bottoms, then a long burning steep climb up another ridge. I always dread the hike, but it's a good spot so I often do it. I make it down to the bottoms, slush through the icy muck, and get to the climbing. With my flashlight clipped to my chest I keep needing to physically turn my body to throw the beam around to see trees and recognize my determined path. This of course always gives the forest a horror movie vibe, even on the best of days. The leaves and underbrush are encased in frost, so every one of my steps comes with a signature, solid crunch no matter how quiet I'm trying to be. This time though I noticed there was more noise than usual. Something else was crunching close by. I walked about a quarter of the way up the hill listening to my company the whole time seeming to stay the same distance away as I moved. Naturally, I think I may have a quick hunting day, so I plop my ass down onto a tree. I can't shoot till first light, but I'm hoping that whatever I'm hearing will lounge around until then. So I click my light off, unsling the shotgun, and lay it over my knees to wait. Except, I don't hear anything now. Whatever it was, must have been spooked by the flashlight spinning all around as I sat. I still stayed a bit, sipping some coffee to make sure, 
but I gave up after 15 minutes of dead silence from the forest floor. I probably didn't make four steps before the second moving thing started again. At this point, I'm still not freaked out yet. I stay facing the way I am, flip the light off again, and sidestep behind a tree. Sure enough, I don't hear anything. Two minutes of sitting there, frustrated before I start moving again, and my new friend does too. I began to get freaked out because I worked my way up the hill, stopping to turn and look, and when I stopped, the sound would go on for just an incalculably more extended amount of time than my steps, like something seeing me stop and doing its best to stop before I heard it. This happened no less than four times and by now I'm sweating bullets in cold because I'm sweating bullets in the middle of winter. I abandoned my thermos near a tree to hold my flashlight and my revolver at the same time. The last 300 or so feet to my stand was done backwards so that I could be facing the noise and in theory, keep it from moving. I didn't hear nothing again after that. I got up into my stand and smoked like five cigarettes in a row out of anxiety. It gave me a sense of security being up in a tree behind camouflage. Still, I only hunted for a couple of hours before daylight finally hit and then I went back early. I wasn't moving slow when I went back to the truck though. I was running full sprint. I have not told my family about it because they wouldn't believe me, but damn it was freaky. The sound and when it decided to stop felt very human, which it likely was as poachers and trespassers occasionally wander onto our property. Still, ever since then, when I go hunting, I'm much better about letting people know where I'm going and for how long. This took place during my winter break during my first year of college. This was well over a decade ago now. My friend and I decided to head to a rifle range we had frequented previously during high school. It had been about 10 months since we were last there. It's in the northeast United States. The rifle range was outdoors, unmanned, and on the state game lands. You never know who may be there. I'd encountered some strange, possibly sinister people there in the past. A fair amount of ordinary people too, of course. We parked the truck and I immediately noticed skinned rabbits. Dozens of them everywhere. At first, they would be obscured by the grass that had grown so tall. But now, being dead of winter, it was easy to see. Falling over, cartling these neatly arranged rows of small skinned animals. Possibly rabbits, raccoons possibly other things. It disturbed me how hard it was to tell what something is once the skin was removed. It bothered me that someone would lay the new carcasses next to the old ones. Each neat pile was in a different state of decay. Despite our better judgment, my friend and I decided to enter the rifle range. I grabbed my two rifle cases. They're like plastic guitar cases. This will come into play later. The rifle range is a large bunker cut into a taller hill. It extends about a thousand feet, and the walls on the left are about 40 to 80 feet tall. There's a question marked shaped path leading around the bunker to the gallery, where you stand or sit to shoot, unsure of the proper terminology to be honest. Approaching the trail, I noticed a dead deer off the left of the course, then another one off to the right. Then, another one further down, in the center of the system, decomposing. 
a large hole in its abdomen filled with maggots. There's another that's all maggots aside from the bones. I'd never seen anything ever like it. My friend and I carry on, me in the front. Once we round the corner into the gallery area, there are two to three more dead deer, like a deflated deer balloon on the gravel. Almost nothing left of them, two-dimensional. This is when it sets in how shabby the place has become. Everything is overgrown. Even looking downrange, the grass had nearly covered the whole area up to two to three feet, except for a trail in the center leading towards the back of the bunker. Along this path, there is one dead deer every 50 feet or so on the side of the trail. The number of deer carcasses I've seen now is outrageous. There had to be 20 of them. It felt beyond belief. About 500 feet downrange, there's a pack of dogs, maybe 8 to 10, an almost ridiculous looking number, all circled the deer and eating it. I'm standing right at the front of this path. I turn back and my friend is pale-faced at this point. This sight that we're both looking at is horrifying. I, like a complete idiot, say something along the lines of, what the hell? Immediately, one of the dog's ears perk up. It picks its head up and looks right at me. Like this was slow motion, it lets out a quick bark and the whole circle of them in a carousel lift their head one by one and lock their eyes on me. I glance back at my friend and he already started running. He probably was about 20 feet in front of me. I look back down range and see the dogs are already charging toward me. They already look twice as close. I start running as hard as possible with these two gun cases, loaded to the brim, super heavy. I can't full-on sprint holding these things. I'm debating dropping them to run faster. I go around the corner and around the bunker entrance. I looked back and saw they're already in the gallery, skidding on the gravel to square the corner. Eight to ten of the most mangy-looking hellhounds coming for me. I'm hoofing it as hard as I can. It's now a roughly straight shot to my friend's pickup truck. I glance back and now they're only a couple of feet behind me. I'm not going to outrun them and it's very clear. I think about dropping the cases. I glance again over my right shoulder and see something forever burned into my memory. A dog midair, leaping at me, fangs out, hopelessly close to me now. I'm in full on sprint, looking forward again, waiting to feel this thing's jaws sinking into my calf or thigh. Total temporal distortion. Time slowed down. I thought of how I just saw a show on the History Channel. An old man. A World War II vet had survived a mountain lion attack. He said that if a rabid dog attacks you, raise your forearm in front of your throat, they'll latch onto it and won't let go. I'm waiting for this to happen, getting knocked down. I envision when one gets into my leg, rolling onto my back, throwing my arm up to catch whatever's going from my throat, then being torn to pieces by the other seven. I realize this could be how it ends, astonished, being mauled to death. It felt like someone pushed me forward, giving me a burst of speed, then another, almost causing me to fall forward. Then I realized the dogs were smacking off the big guitar cases hanging off my sides, which, each time, would push me forward. This happened five or six times. Just then, I was crossing in front of the truck. I threw the gun cases on the hood, open the door, and hop in. My friend is already in the driver's seat. The dogs are gone, and I'm feeling like I just escaped death from a horror movie. Expecting to hear some words of relief for my fate, my friend instead calls me an idiot for leaving the guns on the hood. I guess he wants to shoot at them. I tell him that he needs to just get over it and we need to get the heck out of here. 
I almost died right in front of him. Eventually, he gets out, gets the rifles from the hood, puts them in the back of the truck, and we get out of there. On the way home, I see a local cop at the gas station. It's inside his municipality. I'm telling him about the range and what had happened as briefly as possible, how it's a danger, etc. He seemed to get more aggravated the longer I talked, so I stop. There's an awkward silence, and he coldly says, Yeah, it's really bad out there. From his tone and body language, I can tell his exchange is over. He goes back to his conversation with the cashier, and I just turn around and leave without saying any more. I still wonder what the hell I walked into. What if I had dropped those gun cases? Why was someone dumping their illegally skinned carcasses at a rifle range on state game land? What killed all those deer? The place was fairly well maintained for most of those years that I used to go, and we had been there inside the last year. So what happened? What were those dogs? Were they coyotes, wolves? Why were the cops so dismissive? The range is gone now. It's a natural gas oil well there now. I don't really know where to post this. I've been looking for shows to send this into, and I figured the Swamp Dweller was probably the best person to send it to. Thanks for listening to these creepy and allegedly true outdoors horror stories sent in by viewers just like you. If you enjoyed these stories, please be sure to hit that like button as it helps me out a ton. The more likes this episode gets, the more YouTube promotes it, and that's very helpful to the swamp. If you're listening to this on Spotify or Apple Podcast, please give this a 5-star rating over there as it helps us out a ton. If you're new to the swamp, why not join us? Hit the subscribe button and turn on notifications to never miss a new episode. I upload them nearly every single day and all things natural and supernatural. If you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, whether it's a story from the outdoors or something different, be sure to submit your story at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I'm always looking for brand new stories to feature on the show. I wanted to show some love and appreciation to Miss Fearsome who helped me read story number two today. If you enjoyed her voice, be sure to check out their channel. You can find a link to do so in the description down below. If you're on the go but don't have YouTube Premium but still want to download and listen to your favorite Swamp Dweller scary stories no matter where you are, you can download them absolutely free from Spotify, Apple Podcast, Stitcher Radio, and just about everywhere else you find your favorite podcast online. If you would like to support the Swamp outside of that, check us out on Twitch. There's a link in the description. I stream scary games over there multiple times a week. Check out the merch store. I've got t-shirts, hoodies, and more. Be sure to join me over on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and I'll see you all soon with another creepy episode. <laughs>